0: everybody. It's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, July 9th, 2017. What's up, Doc? <laughs> I knew that there was something off about Dr. Harris. It turns out he's cuckoo too. <laughs> In some ways, I almost wish that he and Chloe would have ridden off into the sunset together. They're both nuts. They both deserve each other, maybe. <laughs> Leave Kevin out of it. Let Kevin and Bella have a, a chance at a normal life and let these two nutcases go off together. I mean, it's, it's absurd to me that Kevin would sit there in that house for two days, let alone two weeks. Were there no signs that this guy was unraveling before our very eyes? I mean, Kevin at the very beginning of the week says to Dr. Harris, you know what? (laughs) I think I'm gonna go back to Genoa City for a little while. People probably starting to ask questions about me. I'm gonna go get Bella. I'm gonna come back but secretly he was telling Chloe that when he comes back he's gonna break her out of this nut house and they're gonna go try to have a normal life of course (laughs) of course and the minute that Kevin leaves is when the crazy town stuff starts to happen. I, I will say there were some moments of humanity where I really identified with Dr. Harris. As soon as Kevin leaves, he starts to reveal more about his life story. The reason that he's alone and that he's isolated himself is because his daughter and her mother were killed by a drunk driver. And it was a really sad story and I thought to myself, Oh, okay, that's why he identifies with Chloe. That's why he's bonded with her because they both lost a child. And I felt for him in those moments. It was a a, a poignant reminder, I would say, for the 4th of July weekend, you know, when there are so many arrests for drunk driving and it has a whole new meaning now that I'm a parent and I'm thinking to myself about how horrible it would feel to uh, have a, a child who's just getting started with their lives. She was getting ready to graduate and go on and, and have her own career and to have that ripped away from you so suddenly and so tragically would be something that would be difficult to overcome um and and i i really i was there i was doing doing my best to get into it until <laughs> he had a total break from reality. I don't know what his trigger was. I don't know why all of a sudden he went completely into this fantasy world where he was pretending that Chloe was his dead daughter. What What was it that made him do that? Was that his plan all along? Did he know all along that that was where he was headed with this? That's just one of many reasons that I feel this story is lacking <laughs> in c- coherency. It feels like this story is has been split into two parts. Uh, uh, and I mean, Dr. Harris- before now seemed like maybe he was just in it for the money and now he was in it for this alternate emotional reason where he wants to act out the graduation day (laughs) that his daughter never had and he wants to live in this little bubble with Chloe and and pretend that she's the the dead daughter he gave Chloe a graduation dress to put on. God, Chloe's like creepily playing along because she she thinks that she has to. He has a cap and gown for her. He's gone to the trouble of, of reenacting this. Unless the cap and gown and the dress all came from before the daughter died and he's been... <laughs> He's had it in a box in the closet somewhere. But the scene where Chloe's walking down the hall in the graduation cap and gown. What the hell? (laughs) That was so sad and bizarre. I mean, the guy is standing there next to Chloe giving a speech, handing Chloe a a diploma. (laughs) Again, where did he get that? on a whole new level. Who gave this guy a psych degree? That's my main question here. It was, it was bizarre and awkward and heartbreaking. I I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, Chloe is mostly playing along because uh, Dr. Harris has told her that Kevin is not coming back. He's implied to her that something's happened to Kevin, and she thinks in her mind that he killed Kevin, so she's possibly going to get killed too. She's now trapped in this nightmarish scenario, so she's playing around and waiting for her moment. Meanwhile... Kevin is driving to the airport and, and without his phone. I mean, Dr. Harris has made sure that he's isolated enough uh, and that he can't be trapped with his phone. But Kevin, un- unfortunately, is now trapped in this scenario, too. Dr. Harris has rigged Kevin's car to explode. <laughs> I mean, really, where did he learn how to do that? At what point was he out there in the middle of the night rigging that car to explode? It's so ridiculous and elaborate. (laughs) I mean, great idea too, Dr. Harris. Why don't you just rig that car to explode and draw the police right to you? You don't think they're going to identify the body as Kevin Fisher and then all of his family is going to descend into that location and wonder what he was doing there? You don't think that that is going to be a red flag for somebody. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, so dumb. Um, but uh, Kevin is—he has a miraculous. Stroke of luck. Don't worry, <laughs> Kevin's fine. He's able to jump out of the car, mostly unharmed. He's got some cuts on his face. Uh, he he <laughs> he's fine. He comes back to Genoa, or sorry, he comes back to to the house in Louisiana, where he's able to rescue Chloe from this crazy town pretend play. I mean, she, she whacks the doctor over the head with a champagne bottle, and he comes back at her for the second time with a needle. I mean, great. Ugh. <laughs> he injects her with some kind of crazy knockout juice. Um, and <laughs> but Kevin is able to subdue him and rescue Chloe and whisk her away. And they have decided they are just going to get out of Louisiana altogether and uh, um, uh, start a new life. <clears throat> Um, they cannot go back to Genoa City and live happily ever after there. So they are trying to start a new life somewhere else, somewhere where Chloe will go unrecognized. She's supposed to be dead and where we're Chloe's going to go unpunished. And I guess... That was the dramatic ending of the whole Dr. Harris part of the saga and then we transition into resolving the resolution I suppose of the characters. I don't know if we've seen the last of Chloe. I know we haven't seen the last of Kevin. There are more scenes for him. In fact, I am hearing still that his last scenes will air in August. I'm assuming maybe there's just more on his tract, but I wonder wonder if we're done with Chloe. Um, I I don't know. And I don't know how I feel about the idea that Chloe's just getting off scot-free here. How do you guys feel about that? The fact that Chloe is probably just going to get away with murder. Unless there's more coming down the pike next week when it comes to her. The character is getting off a little bit easy. It seems that she has been neither punished nor redeemed. Like, Wyandotte didn't really dig in here and pull apart the character and decide to take it in one direction or another. They just made her crazy and put her in a little boat and sailed her off into the sunset. It seems like uh, Kevin is going, he's returning to Genoa City. He's gonna uh, bring back Bella, where um, uh, presumably he's gonna be reunited with Chloe and it's gonna be some happy ending for this little family. Um, but it's it's certainly not a happy ending for anyone who was looking for resolution when it comes to Adam's murder. Uh, it's certainly not a happy ending for the Newmans and in a way, I don't feel like it's an entirely happy ending for Kevin. Something about this and the resolution of his character doesn't fit for me either. I think that there's something incredibly sad about Kevin abandoning or at least leaving and putting on hold the entire life that he's worked so hard to establish in Genoa City when it comes to his career and his family. Just setting all that aside to run off and be on the run and live this suspicious life with Chloe, especially with Chloe, because of the fact that it. Like I just, I feel. Like, Kevin's loyalty to Chloe is so much stronger than her loyalty to him. She's still divorced him, had this baby, uh, and never told him that it was his. I mean, Chloe's not treated Kevin very nicely. And here he is throwing away his entire life to go be with her. And she belongs in a mental institution. She does. She just does. She is dependent on him, um, She is not able to make good rational decisions on her own. And so that's what makes their relationship seem especially unhealthy. Like he is responsible for her as opposed to him being partners with her. And so it, it just it feels like Kevin's just getting saddled with Chloe. It's not right. It's it and it feels It makes me feel sad for Kevin where I think that YNR was trying to give us a happy ending for the family here. I don't know. I mean, he tells everybody that he's going to go to Oregon, Portland specifically, it sounds like. I, I, I'm not sure if that's actually where they're going to go. I may have missed that, but I can't imagine that living a life anywhere in the United States is going to be safe for them. Chloe's going to have to have a whole new identity. They're going to have to come up with a a, a a name, a new name for her. And and. Is no one going to notice? Is no one going to at all peek in on Kevin and and see what his life is like? Is Chloe going to have to stay in the house forever so that nobody sees her and recognizes her? This is a sad ending, I think, anyway. Um, I mean, I, I just can't imagine that Michael is not going to figure this out sooner or later and maybe, go, who knows, go to Portland. I mean, it's all very suspicious. He, he did his best to, um, when he got back, back to Genoa City, he did his best to do damage control as to why he wasn't in Tahiti, why he never left the country. Michael and Paul had figured that part out. And to to try to explain this very abrupt decision of his to leave Genoa City with Bella when he could be with his family to raise Bella. I'm sure that Michael would figure out sooner or later that this all has to do with Chloe. I mean, I don't know. It just feels like such a big gaping hole <laughs> to me anyway. And you know what? The other thing that I feel bad about is knowing that these are close to, I don't. again, I don't know if Greg Ricard is supposed to be uh, on screen for the whole next month. They said until August. It's only July 9th. So does that mean there are two or three more weeks of the story? Does it mean there that YNR is going to give us a little bit more next week and then wait two weeks and then we get an alternate, alternate, alternate ending to the Kevin story at the very end of July? I don't know. But it also made me feel sad that obviously uh, Christian LeBlanc had lost his voice through these final scenes. uh, And and it really was jarring to me because he had to go back and do voiceovers for so much of this week's show. I'm sure that a lot of people noticed that. Um, I mean, his lips weren't necessarily matching up with what the vocal tract was. I'm sure they did their best, but that took away something from these final scenes. It's it, that, that's it. Just it's driving me nuts because also, didn't we have previous goodbye scenes between Kevin and Michael? Doesn't it? Didn't it feel like all of the stuff? When Kevin went off, when he said he was going to Tahiti, he had brief little goodbyes with everyone in the Baldwin Fisher family. And then we saw him go to the park and he had the goodbye on the bench with Michael. And then it's like we got this reprieve. And now we did the Dr. Crazy Town play act thing. And now we have we're having a second set of goodbyes. That's why it just feels to me like it was it was cut into two different different parts. Maybe YNR was trying to do a contract negotiation or something, and maybe they thought that they were going to be able to work things out with Kevin and they weren't, and so now we're getting this. Like, I almost wonder if all of the previous goodbyes were the, eh, we're going to do a wrap up just in case we can't, uh, work out this contract thing, and then realizing that they couldn't work out the contract thing, so they came back and filmed this, uh, uh, what would it be, a prologue? Epilogue? An epilogue? It feels weird, to me and I want to know if it feels weird to you is YNR giving us a fitting goodbye a fitting farewell to Kevin Fisher I want to I, I want to see some comments on this this week because I don't know if I'm if I'm having these feelings alone in a bubble or, <laughs> or if everybody else is picking up on this too why our chat Com. That is our poll for the week. Is YNR giving us a fit farewell to Kevin Fisher? I mean, do you think that they've done a good job with this story? Am I alone? I mean, don't take my opinion for it. I mean, I, ha, uh, don't let me influence you. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I want to know what how everybody else is perceiving it. Was this a good goodbye? Did YNR do a good job in this whole Kevin thing? YRchat.com. I want to see the poll results. I want you guys to sound off and give me your opinions on this. I honestly thought that the best part of all of this was where we just had that simple flashback scene on Friday of Kevin coming into Michael's office for the very first time. Now that was a big reveal moment because Kevin Fisher was a villain character. He was a bad guy. And then all all of a sudden to have this secret connection where he walks into Michael's office and reveals that they're brothers. Now, this is Michael Baldwin at a time where he's been a very dark character and he's trying to get his life together. Michael's finally on a solid track and here we have a screwed up brother entering the picture. It was a really great reveal at the time. It was such a good connection. I buy these two guys as brothers. It works for me. It's always worked for me. And in that vein, I really feel sad that that's going to be broken and but also hopeful that maybe they're going to be able to work something out. I don't feel as sad about losing Chloe, even though I do. I do feel sad about that because I think they have done. Weiner's not done a good job at all with her. There's no question for me about that. Um, But I I feel sad more about losing Kevin. And I'm going to I'm going to hope that maybe they're going to be able to work something out. There are most definitely more scenes coming next week. And I don't know anything about what they're going to be. We had at the very end of Friday's show, Kevin and Bella were sitting at the outdoor cafe and Chelsea comes through. She sees them and they're having a bonding moment. And Bella lets slip something about them going to see mommy. Kevin has told her that we're going to go see mommy. Uh, he He probably should have waited they were in the car. <laughs> Trivial that part of the information. Little kids can't keep secrets. He tells. Uh, he tells. Um, you know. I'm here, Bella lets slip about going to see mom, and I'm sure Kevin's gonna have to do some damage control with Chelsea. Is there any chance, though? Any chance that Chloe's gonna get dragged to justice here? I mean, I. I just. I. I think that's probably what I would prefer to see for her. Honestly, although I like the character of Chloe, and I'm not all about, you know, string her up. At the same time, if justice was so important to her for Delia's life, then justice should be served to her for taking Adam's. Juliet signed the settlement papers with Brash and Sassy this week and collected her big fat check. (laughs) Problem's over. (laughs) Uh, She also, though, signed a non-disclosure agreement, which Victoria was very quick to remind her of. In fact, Victoria, before handing over the big fat check, says to her, I'm gonna tell you this. If word gets out, any word of this gets out, especially to your friend Hillary in the media and everybody finds out about this whole sexual harassment thing that could destroy my company, I will get every dime of this settlement check back Plus interest. <laughs> I love that Victoria issued that warning, but also said she's gonna get interest back too. I, li- I just I like that about Victoria. That sounds like something. If I was gonna threaten somebody, that sounds like something I'd say. I'm gonna get my interest back too. <laughs> oh, you know that that had she mentioned that for some reason. That's gonna come into play. Juliet's non-disclosure agreement, especially since Juliet is talking talking. talking freely and frequently to Genoa City's news media mogul. There's there's no way that that's not going to come into play. Hillary... I can't imagine she's going to keep quiet about all of this. Hillary still has an opportunity to, I think, do the right thing here when it comes to Juliet. Hillary could still air the footage that she has of Juliet that Juliet didn't know was taken, and she could still disclose her knowledge that the sexual harassment lawsuit was bogus. In fact, I think Hillary might be considering it. I think that Hillary once very much to be seen as a legitimate, respected member of the news media, or at least as a, a media personality. I think Hillary's reputation is important to her, of course. So I think she 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 wants to be seen as legitimate, even if she has to do something underhanded in order to make that happen. So I could definitely see her still showing her secret or even leaking it to another news outlet because specifically, I think Hillary is starting to realize that something is a little bit off or suspect at least that something is a little bit off with Juliet. Hillary even asks Juliet point blank whether the baby is actually Kane's, and it was a very pointed t- uh, kind of accusation and a little bit of a you know you can tell me girl is this a scam kind of way and Juliet says to her look the 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 thing is the whole sexual harassment thing was a lie you know it I knew it but the baby is... Canes. Now, the interesting thing is, Hillary picks up on a little twinkle in Juliet's eye as she's talking about the baby and specifically about Cain. Juliet says, This baby that I'm carrying is innocent even if I'm not. And my baby deserves a father. And the father of my baby is Cain. So Juliet made very clear this week that she wants Cain to be a part of this child's life. And when you get right down to it, it came off like Juliet is kind of fantasizing about having Lily's life she wants a man like Cain to help her raise her child. Now, maybe that means that she's up to something. I know a lot of people have speculated that uh, Juliet has you know, made this a scam from the very beginning, that she always wanted Cain. She always wanted to try to snatch him away. Uh, but, you know, I I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here because maybe it's as simple as this. Maybe Juliet is pregnant. Maybe it's her first pregnancy. Maybe she's a little bit excited, and maybe she's kind of just wishing that she had a partner through all of this. I'm sure that if Juliet is being honest, that's not an ideal way to get pregnant. Nobody wants to get pregnant by a guy who can't stand you unless you're crazy and you're on a soap opera. <laughs> I I feel like the this current writing regime is playing it a little bit more straight than the previous writing regime. So I'm I'm a little more leaning toward Juliet just being straight and just being a human and maybe just kind of wanting, you know, going through all the hormone stuff and just kind of wanting a a, a partner. Uh, Now that the suit is settled, though, Cain is starting to realize that something doesn't add up. Kane is actually ready to get to the bottom of this whole thing. He shows up on Juliet's doorstep and he has started, he's told her that he believes it was a scam all along that everything she's done has been a scam, that she planted the camisole in his, uh, in his suitcase so that Lily would find it, that she uh, got pregnant on purpose or that she's scamming. She, he doesn't even believe that the baby is his. So he demands a paternity test on the spot. He's not going to give her any time to work any magic, to do anything funny, no funny business. He practically like grabs her by the ear and has her exit her hotel room to go get a paternity test, and she agrees to do it, which we all know is pointless because paternity tests are at least 50% inaccurate in this town. <laughs> There's no way that we can take a paternity test result for for real or for truth. I think I I think soaps need to steer away from that. Well, I mean, I don't know all soaps, but YNR needs to steer away from this whole paternity test thing. They need to start establishing some credibility with paternity tests. There are too many of them have been switched in recent history. Well, I can tell you right now, YNR chatters are not buying it. Uh, Last week, we had a poll question uh, where I asked you guys, do you believe that Juliet is really pregnant with Kane's child? And 78% of you, the overwhelming majority said, nope. (laughs) Something does not add up here. So that's a good example of don't take my word for it. I'm I I like it when you guys say things that are different from what I'm saying. So the the chatters are are they have spoken and I am in the minority here. It's odd though that I'm for once not expecting a conspiracy. I'm usually all about the conspiracy. There's just something in me where I think, you know what? I I think she's pregnant with Kane's baby, and I think we're just left to deal with the consequences here. I think that maybe that's what the story is. Something happened. I mean, they have the ability to twist it any way they want, and we all as viewers know that. There's a gaps in time. There's these paternity test results. The, the writers can spin it however they end up wanting to spin it, but there's just a, I, a part of me that's uh, wondering, though, if they're playing it straight and maybe going for i a like a miscarriage or something like that. Like maybe the baby is canes We're going to get those paternity test results next week, I think. Um, and maybe the baby's canes Maybe she's going to miscarry. Uh, or like the the bigger question in my mind, the bigger conspiracy in my mind, that's this is probably why, <laughs> is I am wondering if Juliet's going to end up dead. Uh, you guys had proposed that to me a couple weeks ago and I can't let it go. I'm like a dog with a bone with that now. Every time I look at Juliet, I'm thinking to myself, Is this a dead woman walking? I just I I. there's something potentially tragic about her in my eyes. There are so many people who would want her dead. And there's just no way that YNR is working on making her a long term character on the show. This cast is way too big right now. They are not even able to focus and get it together to give a proper, in my opinion, farewell to someone who's been on that show for 15 years. They are not going to keep somebody like Juliet around. I mean, they've got a lot going on. So if we do find ourselves in the middle of a who killed Juliet type of murder mystery, I don't know. I think that could be interesting, and it certainly would be a compelling reason for Hillary to fork over any video evidence that she has. So Jordan goes crawling back to Hillary? What happened to you're a great actress, but I just don't believe you anymore? I thought that was great. I thought Jordan was done with Hillary, and then like a dog, he goes back. <laughs> I think we all know why Jordan goes back to Hillary. <laughs> now, for Hillary's part, I think there are two things that Hillary wants right now. Number one, Devon. Devon. <laughs> And number two, to knock. Lily off of her pedestal. Lily took no hesitation in wanting to bust Hillary at every chance she got, and, and I think Hillary wants a little bit of revenge. Now, the problem is, wanting Devon and wanting Lily uh, to, to suffer at least a little, uh, they're in two direct conflict with each other. Hillary can't have both, so I feel like what we're seeing from her is a constant flip-flopping between doing I want to try to be the bigger person and try to help mend this family? Do I want to give the information that I know? Uh, because it is probably the right thing to do. Devon is my conscience. That's what he would tell me to do. It might ingratiate me with him. And flipping back between just purely wanting uh, chaos. <laughs> chaos Hillary. And I think that Jordan fits into both of those goals for her first of all uh keeping Jordan wrapped around her little finger makes Devon jealous and it's working. At the 4th of July party she's having Jordan lotion her up, putting on that suntan lotion, smooch, smooch, snuggle, snuggle right in front of Devon's eye shot and he's seeing every little bit of it and he's watching too. There's no side eye. Devon's straight on just watching them. <laughs> he was just practically squirming in his seat. I felt terrible for Mariah. She's just kind of quietly watching in the background, probably realizing that Devon's still intrigued by Hillary. It's not that Mariah is not compelling. It's not that she's not a beautiful woman and that she has her own amazing qualities. Mariah is a great catch. The thing is, like, there's just something more probably compelling, or not know if more compelling, but there's still something compelling about Hillary. It is her sexuality, but it also is that she's Right now, more complex than Mariah is. Mariah used to be a bad girl. She came into town being a bad girl, but she's changed her ways. And the angel is maybe a little bit less intriguing than the devil. The devil, there's something to work on, you know? I mean, with Hillary, you got a little bit more to sink your teeth into. But I felt bad for Mariah because here she is representing the right side. She's representing goodness and morality and doing the right thing. And that's what Devon always said he wanted from Hillary. Yet he's got that with Mariah and he's still got his eye on Hillary. (laughs) The other benefit that I think Hillary sees in keeping this connection with Jordan is that she can wind Jordan up if she wants to, point him in Lily's direction to break up her marriage for good. I mean, did you see the way that Hillary planted that seed with Jordan saying that, basically, Lily might be looking for a revenge affair. She said that to Jordan, and she knows what she's saying. Hillary is no fool. She knows that saying that to Jordan is going to be music to his ears. Jordan is running off to comfort Lily every chance he gets, and that only makes Hillary want to knock Lily off of her pedestal even more. (sighs) very, very complex character. I'm telling you, I think that Hillary is the new Adam Newman of the show. And, and, and take that for what it's worth. But Adam was a character that did these bad things, but yet has this compelling side of them, you know, where it's just it's not one thing, you know. And, and I, I, I miss that about Adam. And, and it occurred to me this week that there's something about Hillary and the way that her character has developed, and the way that her character struggles between right and wrong, uh, that, that made me think of Adam. I, th- I think that's a maybe not an altogether terrible uh, comparison. I don't know. I'm sure somebody will tell me it's terrible. Um, so <laughs> Lily swipes Kane's phone. This week, um, she doesn't trust what he's been saying to her, and with good reason. She doesn't want to look at his phone, but she doesn't entirely trust that he's telling her the whole truth right now. Why would she? The truth has been coming out in in little bitty parts, and she just wants to know. In fact, I liked Jordan's advice to her, saying. Lily, you have the right to informed decisions, and I agree with that. When it comes to her marriage and everything that's going on with Kane, I'd like to say that I wouldn't look at the phone and that I would trust, but the trust is broken. That's the problem. Um, and and there's I don't know if there's any going back. Uh, she, he looks through the messages between Kane and Juliet, and he doesn't find anything. Um, but. I think that if I were Lily, I would start preparing myself for the possibility that those paternity test results show that her husband's having a baby with another woman. We have a summer feud. <laughs> Hot summer feud. It's Reed versus Charles. <laughs> I liked the way, you know, Charlie comes off as brute force with Reed, and Reed just finds little ways to get under Charlie's skin, calling him Charles. <laughs> Reed and Charlie are like two opposite sides of the coin. It's or it's, you know, it's kind of the the the, the quintessential band nerds versus jocks. <laughs> kind of uh archetype, I suppose. I think it will be interesting now that we know more about who Reed is. We've had months to adjust to him. I think it will be interesting to find out more about who Charlie is, beyond just being a jock. Because right now, Charlie's nothing but a thorn in Reed and Maddie's romance. I think that we need to get to know who he is. And I believe it's coming. I'm sure that he's gonna have his time. Um... The two star-crossed lovers <laughs> realized this week who the other one was. They didn't realize last names. They didn't realize that their parents were Victoria and Kane and Lily and that they all work together, that Kane and Lily work for Victoria. Um, and I thought it was cute to see each one of them get a little excited about this and then go back and tell the parents uh, to, to less than half happy reactions. First of all, I think when Maddie told Lily, I could just see the sinking feeling with Lily, like she was realizing that this is just going to be another in a series of disappointments. Um, that it, that part was very sad. I really, though, liked even more Victoria and Reed uh, talking. There was this when he told her, when he was starting to open up to her about her boyfriend, I thought or about uh, about um, his girlfriend. Sorry. Um, I think that it showed how far Victoria and Reed's relationship had come because he was sharing something about his life in a really genuine way. And Victoria was also opening up about having a hard day and having to fire someone. That's a conversation that I don't know that Victoria and Reed would have had months and months and months ago when they were really struggling to define their relationship and to fit into each other's lives. So I want to give a little nod to the fact that that relationship has flourished uh, over time. Um, it wasn't until Reed revealed that his girl crush was Maddie Ashby that Victoria had to reveal that Kane was the one that she fired earlier in the day. I don't even know what took Victoria so long to fire him. I think I would have fired him a little bit sooner. I mean, Kane just cost the company a ton of money. I think, I, 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 I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what took her so long. I would have fired him. Absolutely. Um, I suspect that Hillary's video footage will probably eventually get Kane his job back, but for right now, he's unemployed. And that's really too bad for the internship that Maddie was asking for. She really wants to have something on her college uh, application, and she thinks that an internship at Brash and Sassy would be just the thing. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, with Dad being fired, that's probably not going to work out. It's it's also it's too bad because you know she and Reed don't go to the same school. So if they were interning at Brash and Sassy together. I needs to expand that set, that lab set. But anyway, sorry, side note, they need more room at Brash and Sassy because I was thinking that if Reed and Maddie got an internship together at Brash and Sassy, that would give them a lot of opportunities to let their little their love bloom. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to happen now, though, that Kane is fired, although Lily still works there. Do you guys think that Lily's gonna continue to work at Brash and Sassy even if Kane doesn't? great, great moment in the week. Mariah is sitting alone at Crimson Lights in the wake of everything that she saw on the 4th of July. She's sitting there and she's pondering life, presumably. Sharon walks up to her and says, well, are you thinking about, I don't know, what what, what, do you, what kind of muffin you want? Something, something very minor. And Mariah just opens up her mouth, looks at Sharon and says, do you ever get over your one true love. It was it was such a wonderful moment. And I loved Sharon's response. It took first it kind of took her back that this is what is on Mariah's mind right now. And she says, Do you ever get over your one true love? Mm, yes. <laughs> there was a moment and it was just that was the brilliance of Sharon Case's reading right there. Because she there was just a little of a, mm, you know, because like, we're, you know, or at least me, I'm one I'm thinking one true level. That's Nick, first of all. So I'm wondering what Sharon's response is going to be that mm, right before she says yes was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, and, and she so she said, you know what, Mariah, I believe that you can can have more than one true love. I've had many. (laughs) That was great. I just really loved that moment. I'm assuming that Mariah was talking more about Kevin, right? I don't think that at this stage in the relationship, Mariah is thinking of Devon as her one true love that she might be losing to Hillary. I think that Mariah is thinking about the longer road that she had with Kevin, and I'm assuming that that's going to transition into some type of goodbye with Mariah. All of the goodbyes in part one of Kevin's goodbye were very rushed. It was just, yeah, have him say goodbye to everybody at the apartment. Now it seems like we're doing the the goodbye tour. <laughs> the Kevin Fisher goodbye tour. He'll probably be back in a couple years, too, anyway. Uh, but I'm wondering if they're going to have a a finale scene or a final scene between him and Mariah, I think that would be appropriate. Um, And and I'm imagining that that's going to clue that that's a clue to that. Where's Mariah's head right now? I think Mariah just wants to be happy. I think that's it. I think she's put away her bad girl self and she just wants to be happy. Um, And she wants for her family to be happy too. Noah tries to put the brakes on his relationship with Tessa this week. I think Noah was just trying to be level-headed saying, let's not rush this. Uh, Let's just take it easy, see where it goes. He's made mistakes before. And Tessa took that very offensive. She thought that that meant Noah didn't want to really be with her anymore. And so Mariah had to smack him upside the head figuratively uh, and tell and tell him that he needs to go and make his interest in Tessa known. Are you guys into Noah and Tessa? I would like to know that this week as well. Are you feeling that connection? I really think that I could get in to Noah and Tessa, but I need to see more of them. See, this is another example of where I think that YNR is having maybe too big of a cast right now. Now, that doesn't mean to go and cut people who've been on the show for 15 years, but I think it might mean that they need to make some strategic decisions. <laughs> they, it, it just, it does feel like there are some opportunities that are being missed because I could dig into Noah and Tessa. I just would will need to have some time devoted to it. I don't know. Um Maybe now that she's moving out of out of the ranch, I'd like for Noah to move out of the underground when he he pitched to Nick this week. The idea that they should open up a chain of undergrounds. I was silently like a slow motion. No! <laughs> Please! Don't open a chain of undergrounds. I think you should close that underground. It's the worst set we have on the show. It's dark. It's dank. I like the stage. I'm glad that they have that. But would it kill us to get a little light in there? I just, yeah, It feels like I'm underground. I don't like it. Um, I, I'm I'm sure that it's not going away anytime soon. For crying out loud, they burnt the set down. And I was like, yeah. And then they built it back up exactly the way it was. Please. (laughs) I predict that Nick is going to turn over management of uh, the underground to Noah, let him do what needs to be done, because I think that Nick is going to end up working with Chelsea. I think he's going to help her take her business to the next level, which is what she's expressed that she wants to do. She actually went to Sharon this week and asked Sharon if she would be willing to come back to work for Chelsea 2.0, and Sharon turned her down. I think that says a lot about where Sharon is in her life right now, where her priorities are. Sharon just wants to go to school to run Crimson Lights, to be a mom, and to explore this new relationship that she has with Scott. I really appreciated the scenes where Scott was helping Sharon at the coffee house this week. I thought it was really cute that he's trying to learn how to make all the drinks so that he can be of service to her. And I I thought it was really cute at the end of the 4th of July rush, we saw this closing time scene at Crimson Lights. Sharon's like closing the door. The lights are all low. And Scott is just laying on the bar. <laughs> he just has he's just laying there with his hands kind of up in it, you know, up on his chest and it just there was something about that that felt like a real relationship. It almost felt like the kind of relationship that you would have in I don't know your early twenties, where you're just it's like a renaissance kind of in your life. I think Sharon and Scott are both going through a renaissance, and they're doing it together. And there's just something about that that felt so genuine to me. Um, and I I don't know. I I really liked it. I like that Sharon and Scott can be. Um, fun together, but I also like that they can be serious and open up with one another. Sharon even talked about her father this week, what it was like being raised by um, her mother and only her mother, which is something that Scott can relate to. Um, I think that for, for Scott's part of it, that's maybe why he's struggling to understand what's going on with the situation with the Newmans with Nick and Victor and and that whole clan and how that fatherly dynamic works I mean both Sharon and Scott don't have fathers but there were many years where Sharon felt like Victor was a father to her so she's trying to be the voice that brings Scott back and I think she's trying to be the voice that connect uh Nick and Scott that there's no real reason for this rivalry that's obviously developed. Uh, There was a lot of tension at the 4th of July party and after it's quite clear that Nick does not like Scott. And I think that Scott could have liked Nick, but the fact that Nick has taken a um, a, a, a defensive stance with him maybe is making Scott start to not like Nick and to question him. Um, I think that Nick at this point i want to say that he's jealous about scott's relationship with sharon but i don't i don't think that's entirely it i think that nick resents that scott has taken a place that's so prominent at his father's company, too. I think that he doesn't like that Scott is so pro-Victor. It's like Scott's just sliding right into Nick's old life, but Scott doesn't know what Nick knows. Scott doesn't know that Victor's actually this really terrible person, and it would, I imagine, great on Nick to see Scott being propped up as this new golden boy, and in some ways, Abby, too, uh, where, you know, where they don't really, know the dirt. They don't really know what it looks like when Victor's mask comes off. So Nick doesn't trust uh, what's going on there, but he can't really talk about it either. I think that Scott is picking up, though, on the fact that that the Newman family has this weird, twisted sense of loyalty, and it's not entirely, it's just not natural to make your children want to compete for your affection. It's not natural to 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 make your children feel lesser than. Um, There was a moment uh, at the Fourth of July party where Scott was trying to wave a white flag with Abby and she just lashed back at him immediately. She was just like, because they've had this rivalrous relationship. And he was I, I think I mean, I could see how his comments could have been taken either way uh but she launches off into this you know he he comments honestly he commented on the fact that she was wearing a like a flag style uh bikini or a bikini with a flag print which was really cute by the way and uh she thought that he was saying something like you shouldn't be wearing the flag as a bikini so she launches into this feminist thing but I guess I kind of thought maybe he was complimenting her he said something like I'm trying to figure out whether or not I should salute you. And part of me thought it was kind of sexual that that comment was kind of like, yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, you can, like, maybe he wanted to salute her with other appendages. I don't know. She took it. She took it to a place that I wasn't expecting. She got all offended. And Scott did come back. And he's you know said that he kind of feels bad for her for having to compete for Victor's attention. I think maybe um, maybe Victor is ultimately going to slowly start to see what the rest of the family sees. I don't know. I, I liked... Scott a little bit more this week, I guess, is the thing. I think he's someone who doesn't feel the need to compete for attention. I think like Sharon, maybe he's just competing at this point with himself to become a better person. Are we actually going to see this big fundraiser concert? (laughs) I hope so. I would love nothing more than to see Nikki walk out onto that stage, conquer her fears, conquer her disease, and receive this huge round of applause. That would be amazing. I want to see her happy. And I think that... At his core, that's what Victor wants too. Um, there's there's, there's just so much negativity around Victor right now, but I don't think it's that he has any kind of ulterior motive other than to try to prop Nikki up and make her feel good. He got her a Chelsea 2.0 original dress to wear for her big uh, concert debut. He got her the jewels. There's probably a vacation. The Gift that he's gonna give her that they're never gonna take. (laughs) I mean, Victor's the king of lavish gifts and extravagant gestures. I think he's just doing what Victor does and probably not being as sensitive as he should be to what's really going on with his wife. Um, Nikki is back in town and at first it seemed like the benefit was going to happen. Like she was feeling really good. She was backstage. I liked seeing the backstage action, and that's what makes me hope we're going to see the main stage. Uh, She's checking out the venue. Uh, She played a little piano piece this week. Like overall, she's seeming confident and strong and calm and relaxed and like capable. But I think coming home to Genoa City, coming home to the situation with Victor um, brings back all of the same stressors. Getting away and being on vacation can make anybody feel good and calm and relaxed, but coming back to reality it can, can be a little bit of a letdown. Um, Nick was able to talk Tessa into revealing to him that Nikki did have an MS flare-up right before she left. Um, and Nick goes immediately, as soon as Nikki gets home, he says, Tessa, told me about your MS flare up. I like I was annoyed with Nick in that Nick in that moment because I thought, did you really have to blow up Tessa's spot immediately? She said, please don't tell Victor. And he said, well, I won't tell Victor. Like he he lured her a little bit into this sense of you can tell me what's going on. It's my mom. I should help her. And then, you know, I just got the impression that it was kind of like, you know, luring her in and then throwing her under the proverbial bus. Uh, She she, he says, I'm not going to tell Victor, but I'm going to have to talk to Nikki about this. And then he goes and tells Nikki immediately, which is I'm sure going to again, break Nikki's trust in Tessa. I like that Nikki has Tessa as a friend and she was already uh, getting um, a little bit snippy with Tessa right before she left. And I'm sure she's not going to be happy that she told Nick that's going to come up. He could have definitely done it without throwing Tessa under the bus. That's all I'm saying. And the other thing that annoyed me about Nick this week was the way he was questioning Nikki and whether or not she should be performing and what her relationship was with Victor seemed kind of disrespectful sometimes. Did you guys feel like that? There was a moment where she comes back at him and she says, son, I'm fine. You know, I mean, like where she reestablished the relationship. I'm not just somebody you get to say what you want to. I'm your mom. And I really liked that she brought it back in a very classy way. But I thought he was being um, a little bit disrespectful. She He said something to the fact that like she was brainwashed by Victor or there was just something where it's like you're the you're the child. She's the parent. She's allowed to have her relationship with her husband and it's none of your business. (laughs) I understand being concerned about her health, but the relationship part is none of Nick's business. Sorry. (sighs) She insists that she's fine. She says, I'm doing this performance for me. I'm doing it for the charity. And it's not about Victor. I'm not making it about Victor. He did see that she's still struggling, though. She played a beautiful piano piece in front of him. And as soon as he left, he was peeking through the door. She continues to play. And she's starting to, you know, do the same problem she's having, where she's not hitting the notes that she that she wants. Uh, And Nick, Nick is pressuring victor to just cancel this piano concert altogether or at least cancel her part in it do you think that he should should the can- should the concert be canceled i guess the thing is if it was going to be canceled i wish that it would have happened a little earlier at this point it's the 11th hour um i don't know i want what's best for nikki i think that it's sad that her piano has become a bit of a demon for her, that it's something to overcome. And in so many ways, it must feel to her that her body is something that she has to overcome now. I mean, even if... if, I would I would rather see Nikki just walk out on stage and say that she's still struggling you know say this is me I'm gonna do my best I'm I'm someone who's living with this disease I may make a few mistakes at this piano right now but so what the the message of this benefit and for people who have this who have ms should be perseverance it should be we don't have to be perfect we don't have to be flawless no one expects us to what we have to do is get out there we have to do our best we have to try and raise money for the cure Nope, my relationship with Phyllis is sunk without a trace. Probably swallowed by a sea monster," <laughs> said Jack last week. Uh, that was our, our quote. I just like these these weird little chunks of creative language coming from our new writers. Uh, so last week's "Who said it?" quote was probably swallowed by a sea monster. Um, <laughs> only three people got it right. It was it was a tough tough one so I have to give a, a big uh, celebratory congratulations to the three people who got it right Henry who I think must have you must have a I don't know what's the what's the auditory version of a photo, photographic memory <laughs> you just hear things and just remember them instantly you 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 should transcript the do transcripts of the show <laughs> just straight from memory so congratulations to Henry and Gina from Australia and Mary and I think you're in France. So we have we have a, 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 a trifecta of amazing countries here uh, getting our y quotes correct. Um, here's another quote for this week that I, I it's just another little piece of creative language. Um, you either heard it or you didn't. So you tell me who said the phrase velvet handcuffs I mean, I'm sorry, but if you didn't pick up on velvet handcuffs, (laughs) you might have been looking at something else. So (laughs) who said it? YRchat.com. You can go there and leave me your guess. And if you get it right, then I will give you your big celebratory congratulations on next week's
1: YNR Chat.
0: So oh, before I get to comments, I have to do a correction because Superplex left me a comment on YouTube saying that Nick did not tell the whole truth about Chloe and Victor and their connection to Sharon last week, uh, as I said in last week's YNR chat. Superplex um, says that he told Sharon that, um, that Victor helped Adam escape from prison, but didn't say that Victor helped Chloe avoid arrest for murder or the fact that Chloe assisted Victor in framing Adam. So thank you for the correction. I'm going to assume you're totally right on that because I've been guilty of over-multitasking lately. There's just been so much going on. I must have been watching the scene and inferring and I'm so sorry. You guys, I do want you to please correct me if I miss something. Uh, I don't want to be caught slipping especially when there are so many of you and only one of me. I mean if you check out for a moment you can miss something and then I just must have filled in the blanks. It was like um, also last week I had mentioned about um, getting uh, dusted by Hillary. I remembered I, I I guess maybe I should clarify that because I did remember that Hillary had the footage of Juliet, the secret footage of Juliet, but I was only connecting that to Hillary knowing that there was an affair. Like in when we saw the footage of Juliet, in fairness to me, it was in context of, is is, is Lily going to find out that Kane and Juliet slept together? I'm pretty sure that when we originally saw that footage, it was before the sexual harassment lawsuit thing came up. So last week, when we saw Hillary looking at the flash drive again, was the first time that my pistons were firing in my brain showing, or, or realizing that that footage was connected to the sexual harassment lawsuit, and that Hillary had information that would have been pertinent to it. So I still definitely blipped out a little bit, but I just wanted to clarify—I didn't blip out that bad. I Hillary does, does have a tendency to dust me, uh, but I—but not that bad. <laughs> All right, let's get to your comments. First up. Lindy left me a voicemail and she says this, I think, is the second time that Sharon has mentioned her father recently. Has anybody heard anything about YNR bringing on Sharon's father as a new character? Well, Lindy, I feel like I did hear some rumblings about that, some rumors about that, but I haven't heard anything solid. I tend to not take anything as truth until I hear it as solid because I'm also hearing buzz, buzz, buzz about uh, Michael Mooney returning all the time. I'm always hearing that Adam's coming back and it just never comes to fruition. So I, I tell you, I... I wonder if that moment Sharon talking about her father was just more the writers trying to develop and giving us what we're asking for when it comes to Sharon and her life and who she is and becoming one of the matriarchs of the show. I I, I am fine if they don't cast Sharon's father, although it's it's odd, isn't it? That character that's been on the show for so long and who's had so many storylines that we really don't know much about her father. The fact that that's never really been incorporated into the show is a little bit surprising for such a long-running long, to- long running character. But I'm fine if they don't address that right now because I have to say again, I feel like the cast is too big. I think we need focus on the characters that we have. So if they are going to do something with um, with Sharon's father, I'm for it, but it needs to be down the road a little Bit. Let's, let's table that for 2018. <laughs> um, rocks, Rocks, Rocks Grace on YouTube says your description from last week of Hillary. It's exactly why I love her. Hillary is a very gray character. She's not a goody goody, and her first instinct is often to revert to scheming. But she knows exactly who she is, and I like that about her. She doesn't think she's an angel. She very much knows that she's flawed, which makes her vulnerable at times. She is such a complex uh, character. I find that fascinating. Now, Rocks, 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 Grace, I, I especially wanted to mention this comment because who does that sound like? Gray character, first instinct is scheming, uh, knows that they're flawed, and that makes them vulnerable. I'm sorry, that's Adam right there in a nutshell. So, I'm, I'm rocks, Rock. that's Greg, you help me make my point. <laughs> and those are the kind of characters that I love. Those are the kind of characters that I'm compelled by. I know probably most of you think I give way too much leeway to Hillary, but I gave a lot of leeway to Adam too. I just try to understand people. I guess that's what it is. I'm empathetic to a fault. <laughs> I know you guys are probably annoyed with me on the Hillary love train, but Marianne left me a good comment at yrchat.com saying, say what you say, what one can about Hillary. She has staying power on the show over the last four years when they changed production regimes. Hillary came on the show in 2013 and I believe is the only character of that creation of the previous regime that's still on screen. Dylan and Stitch and many of the others that came from from that regime uh, went came and went. But Hillary is still in the front burner of storylines. My point is, Marianne says, uh, that will any of the current 2017 newcomers, Graham, Juliet, Tessa, Zach, Ravi, or Jordan, be around as long as Hillary? I think it's a good a good point, Marianne. I like that a lot. And I'll tell you what, I once again, I know I'm pro Hillary, but I'm not, I'm not also not going to hide and not going to lie. I find the character of Hillary to be one of the best, most compelling characters on the show. And uh, uh, frankly, we've been talking for years about the Winner's family needing an injection of, of something interesting. And if we're talking about African-American lead female actresses uh, Michelle Morgan brings it hard and in fact I think she she like the character of Hillary to me and I know that the actresses get what the writers give them but to me I find the character of Hillary to be even more compelling than the character of Drew I mean I was a Drew fan and I still think that Hillary is even better than Drew so I feel like Y&R is doing what they need to do with Hillary. I think that she makes the Winters family interesting. She gets in there and she challenges them. And I want to see her and Devon reunite. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Here we go. James at yrchat.com says the highlight of the 4th of July episode was definitely Hillary in that bikini. <laughs> Thanks, YNR. <laughs> and Superplex uh, at yrchat.com says the 4th of July episode could be described as The Young and the Restless: The Swimsuit Edition. <laughs> I loved all the swimsuits. I mean, do should we do a best and worst dressed for the Young and the Restless swimsuit edition? I I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Hillary did look good in a simple blue bikini with those big old star earrings. That looked good. I really liked Abby's flag outfit immediately when she came on screen. I thought she was adorable. I thought Sharon looked excellent and very Sharon-esque in her white bikini with the holes in it and the sides kind of. She just looked good. Um, I I thought that Chelsea's little I don't know if it's like a peasant girl type top looked uh, looked very Chelsea-y. It kind of reminded me of the Kansas version of Chelsea, but I really liked the um, the button-up shirt she had tied in the front. I think it was a tie front waist white uh, blouse with stars all over it. I thought that was a cute little outfit. Uh, I liked Mariah's swimsuit cover-up. I think the, the, the worst dress for me, the thing I hated the most was Jordan's We're Number One America swim trunks. <laughs> <laughs> those look kind of dumb. I'm sorry. I mean, I like that they were going with a the theme, but just a simple star print or something or something else funky uh, uh, would have been better than the wear number one foam finger print that they had on that. And and, and by the way, best dressed man, I liked Neil. I thought Neil looked sharp at that rooftop um, uh, Fourth of July party because he had on just his swim trunks and a shirt that was open and he just looked crisp. (laughs) Uh, Neil's my my best dressed man. I guess if I had to pick a best dressed woman, I think I'd probably pick Abby. But you guys can leave me your your comments and let me know who you were feeling this week. Um, Julie at YRChat.com says, Ugh, Jordan running out of Hillary's naked arms to comfort Lily. Hillary should have redeemed, should have reamed him a new one. Instead, she was so placid and wimpy. Those are not usually words I use to describe Hillary uh diana at yrchat.com says lily has a lot of nerve telling kane what he did was worse than what she did to him yes everything that lily said about being humiliated because he kept lying while defending him is true she has every right to be upset with kane but what Lily failed to mention in all of their conversations is how she humiliated Kane with Joe Clark. And um Diana, if you want to go fi- find her, her comment, left a, a a list of basically a reminder for us of what happened with uh between Joe and Lily and that she kind of cheated on him in she cheated on Kane kind of right in front of his face. <laughs> Um Justin left me a voicemail saying the sh- the situation with Kane can be summed up in one phrase karma is a bitch uh, Kane bribed that guy in California to make it look like Billy was gambling uh, Julia ended up getting fired over it she sued brash and sassy one and now Kane is out of a job that's what happens when you try to be vindictive Kane. who do you think you are trying to play games and mess with people's lives like you're Victor Newman <laughs> so we've got some pro Lily and some pro Cain comments there Um, How about this? Uh, Marianne at YRChat.com also says this past week has piqued my interest in the Juliet storyline since Jack has taken an interest in the story and wants to hire Juliet. I wonder if Jack and Hillary will discuss the lawsuit and show cards, show the cards in their hands. Is Juliet a character being groomed as the Hillary 2.0 or is she a tragic Kelly 2.0 or perish the thought Sheila Carter. I think that YNR can take this any way they want to. But right now I am leaning toward the tragic uh, Kelly 2.0. But you guys tell me what you think about that uh aaron on youtube says i'm still holding out that juliet is lying what if she faked the pregnancy paperwork she could easily have paid off a technician to change those results remember when phyllis bribed sasha green to change her pregnancy test of daniel to make it look like danny was the father to keep him away from cricket but danny was such a good guy he raised daniel as his own anyway I love that flashback, Erin, because I most certainly do remember that whole drama with Phyllis and Danny and that paternity. It's a good pull. Uh, Daisy on Facebook says Juliet could have set Kane up to split. He could have set Kane up to split he and Lily up for someone else. Maybe Jordan. Uh, Daisy says I was thinking that Jordan and Juliet know each other and are working on this long con stamp together. Jordan seems to want Lily runs to her whenever she calls and was trying to influence her to leave Kane. Since Jordan was a con artist with Chelsea, it could be that he's got another partner, Juliet. Well, you, you're the queen of making me think of things I never thought of, Daisy, because I hadn't even connected those two, but they do kind of want the same thing. <laughs> uh, Marion at YRChat.com says, how about if Juliet and Graham are in Genoa City as a con couple to fleece the Abbots and the Newmans? After all, these two came in out of nowhere and we still know nothing about them apart from that one is pregnant and the other is about to inherit a lot of money. You guys are Good. Uh, Jamie at com says, More and more, I think Juliet really is pregnant with Kane's child. I could see Juliet feeling terrible about her lies and trying to make amends with Kane and Lily by letting Hillary expose the video of her, confessing that there was no sexual harassment from Kane and that their drunken one night stand in Tokyo meant nothing. Although the backlash from the public could cause Juliet so much stress that she loses the baby. What do you guys think about that? Is there any chance that Juliet will let. Hillary, ill will air that footage. Uh, Leslie at YRChat.com says, I sense a Who Killed Juliet <laughs> with one or both of the twins going on trial, guilty or not. Well, that I never would have th- thought about connecting the twins into a, a Who Killed Juliet thing, although I do. I was wondering about that little tiny moment between Hillary and Maddie this week. What did you guys make of that? Maddie's leaving the rooftop uh, bo- the, the, the swim area and Hillary's coming into it and there was a moment where Maddie said, hey Hillary. I mean, they know each other. So it's her former, what, former um, grandmother. <laughs> I, I wonder what that meant, or was it just maybe a moment of conscience for Hillary? I, I kind of wonder if that interaction was there so that Hillary had a reminder that she is... That she has information that could affect a family and that there are other children and young children you know younger children involved that's how I read that but I don't know your comment Leslie just kind of made me think of that when thinking about the twins um, uh, Consuela I have to agree with this comment here at yrchat.com says, um, I think the writers need to tone down Charlie and Maddie's personalities. Okay, we get it. Maddie is a bookworm and she likes school, but it would be nice to see her not so obsessed with school. I would like them to develop her personality a little more. The same thing with Charlie. We get it. He's a jock, but does he have to be such a jerk and so annoying? All jocks aren't like that. I would like for them to dig more into who Charlie is as well. Um, Uh, they don't know. uh, Let's see. They don't have to shove the bookworm slash jock stuff down our throats. We get it. Um, Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking that that this week, Consuela, that we just need a little more from both of them. Uh, Connor left me a voicemail talking about Kevin saying if this is the way that they're going to send Chloe and Kevin out I am highly disappointed not uh just in the writing but in the whole plot well I'm glad at least I'm not the only one who is feeling that way Connor I mean I I want I want to hear from some people who are enjoying it but but for crying out loud it just feels off to me I think the poll results in the comments this week will be interesting Um, Sandra at YRChat.com says, I guess we should just be glad that the Kevin Chloe storyline has come to closure and it's not being left dangling in midair. But the, the Dr. Crazy and Maggie episodes were hard to watch, let alone believe. I think the writers were really stretching here kind of agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lastly, but certainly not leastly, Gary left me a voicemail and was the only person to mention at the, at the, at, at, but, but, but by the time I got my notes together that we got a Chancellor Gate. <laughs> the great Chancellor Gate we saw on screen this week. Uh, Gary says, I don't think we've seen that before. And I don't think so either, Gary. I think um, that is the first time I've ever seen that there's a great Grand. Entrance to the Chancellor Estate, marked with two side-by-side C's. <laughs> that was excellent. I mean, for some reason, I guess I never imagined that there was a gate. If any place needs a gate, it's the ranch. There's way too many people coming on and off of there. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, it, it feels right. It feels stately. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Forester Gate on the Bold and the Beautiful. They have a they have a big F on their gate. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by where they got that footage, and they're giving it to us now. As a matter Matter of fact, Gary, did you see the other um, new scenes we got? Um, I think uh, uh, Kyle on Twitter will appreciate this too. That we saw the um, outside of Lily and Kane's house. Um, that it's kind of more of a, I suppose, more of a what I would think of as a traditional ranch-style uh, type of house. It, it looked like it. Uh, it, it the, I will say, of all of them, the the, the out the exterior of Lily and Kane's house matched the interior. That made, I mean, it was a complete click for me, even though they used to be apartments. (laughs) They are now a house. It's now a house, apparently. Where does Neil live? Where's his apartment? We haven't seen that in a while. Um, and what was the other one? We saw a fountain scene. There was a there was a new fountain view of Genoa City this week. So the, the we're getting some new stuff. They're they're definitely doing a good job of setting the scene. There were some uh, street scenes too. I think when we were outside of the Athletic Club, we saw like the walk and don't walk signs. Like I think you know for all of the complaining I'm doing about you know YNR missing the ball with some things, I think they are doing an excellent job of Representing Genoa City and making us feel
1: like we're in it.
0: Okay, everybody, I think that just about takes me to the end of our YNR chat for the week. I got lots of positive feedback on the soap bars. Uh, let's see, Connor got his Nikki, Jackie got her Sharon, and. Um, she told me how to say her name. No, I'm forgetting Meyer, I think. Or Mir. Mir. It was Mir. Um, Got her bar of Sharon too. So I'm so happy that the soap winners got their stuff. Yay! I just love, like that just makes it all worth it for me. I like hearing that you guys like them as much as I do. Uh, I'm going to keep trying to blog my, my progress and do as many blogs and videos and stuff for the Genoa City Soap as I can. If you want to go to GenoaCitySoap.com though, I've still got some soaps that you can get. Uh, And if you want to check out my blog and see the pretty pictures and all that stuff, it's it's there, too. So uh, GenoaCitySoap.com for your soap needs. YRChat.com for your soap box. (laughs) If you'd like to get on your soap box uh, and give me your comments. I love hearing from you. There's a blog right there where you can say exactly what you're thinking. Or if you prefer, you can use Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, of course. Uh, Or you can call into my voicemail. 309-588-4569. I hope everybody has a good week and that next week we are not disappointed with the Kevin goodbye. (laughs) We, We shall see. Maybe we'll get a concert next week too. Who knows? Okay, everybody, have a good one. I love ya. Bye.